and welcome to today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homey, and I want to welcome you for this very exciting topic. Before we get started, let me just tell you a little bit about the Business Creators Radio Show. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. They fall into four categories. The first category are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. The second category, marketing and business coaches. The third category are folks who help others build their businesses and succeed at the game of marketing, whether you're a web designer, a graphic designer, a social media strategist, anyone who helps others succeed at the game of marketing. And the fourth category are those who run their own businesses, do-it-yourselfers who just love the power of having your hands on the levers and making things happen for yourself. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment to explore our episodes and discover how our experts can help you win at business and marketing at, at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check out our podcast on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message. For today, I am especially honored to have with us David Jennings. And he's going to speak to us about getting found online, how has SEO changed? Getting found online, as you know, is crucial in any business. If you're invisible to Google, you're just simply invisible. When someone searches for your industry or profession, you want your name or business at the top of the list. But the world of SEO and keyword marketing has changed as it continues to change. Google continues to release the pandas and the penguins and who knows what animal they'll come up with next. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pick David's brain, and we're going to get a sense of what's changed and what's working now. And just like, as I frequently do on these radio show episodes, not only am I the host, but I'm also a student right along with you. Our experts are some of the top caliber, and they share priceless insights that help us grow our businesses. So, David, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing really well, and uh, excited for this interview. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me just tell our listeners a little bit about you here. Uh, David Jennings. David's impressive entrepreneurial journey begins back in his early 20s when he sold Australia's most loved sporting ground, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Since then, his business experience spans from developing and franchising retail stores, building multi-million dollar portfolio of over 500 domains and websites, to turning founding Melbourne SEO services and Melbourne video excuse me, Melbourne Video Productions, who together help businesses grow through innovative online marketing systems. So we're going to touch a little bit in our interview here about the relationship between SEO and video as we get further into this. But just wanted to point out that David has two companies, Melbourne SEO Services and Melbourne Video Productions. David is recognized as a high-achieving entrepreneur and online marketer. He's been a keynote speaker at countless conferences and seminars, as well as featured in dozens of publications, including Australian Financial Review and Smart Investor and other media such as Nova Radio and Channel 9's Today Show. So, David, you ready to jump right in? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the great okay. intro. You bet, you bet. Before we do, um, just in your own words, let's take a quick step back and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. I know I read off your very impressive bio there, but just tell us a little bit in your own words about your background and really what brought you to where you are today, helping entrepreneurs and business owners with search engine optimization, video marketing, and search engine marketing. Yeah, for sure. So I suppose if we go back in time a little bit, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. I, I might not have recognized that I was an entrepreneur at the first instance, but looking back now, it was 
quite clear because I, at the end of my schooling, I, against the better advice of some friends and family, I didn't end up going to traditional university. Instead, I took out a, a loan to do one of those weekend how to trade the stock market courses, one of those ones that right. promises that you'll, you'll make a million dollars by Monday morning just by learning these three simple strategies. Because uh, I had a friend at school who was trading the stock market and he was telling me about all of his wins. Of course, he didn't tell me about any of his losses and it just sounded too easy and, and too good to be true. So I really got interested in the stock market. Started uh, learning how to trade the markets and then very quickly realized that uh, you need to have money to trade the stock market. And all I had was this $5,000 loan and I was living with my mum in a two-bedroom flat, flat uh, working in a supermarket to try and pay back right. the loan. And uh, that, that's when I, uh, I suppose, just really sort of started to look for some other opportunities because uh, we developed, uh, or, or when I'd gone through this weekend trading course, I'd met the rest of the community, the people who were involved in the course as well and I realized quite a few of them were having troubles with a particular uh, software package that I just sort of intuitively seemed to get. So a friend and I created a, a study guide to help people learn how to use this particular charting package and then we started to market it and it sold really well in our immediate community of, of people who knew us and um, who we got referred to but then beyond that I, I made that really clear distinction early on that you can have a great product that really helps people but unless people actually know it exists it's not actually worth anything so you really need to have methods to get that message out there and that's how I got interested in uh, the whole marketing it started with early days online marketing and I learned a lot of the traditional offline stuff through some of the, the greats like your Jay Abraham and Dan Kennedy uh, and people that have been doing some of the direct mail stuff, Gary Halbert, um, learned from right. some of those greats and then took a lot of those learnings and then started to apply it online. And our first product sold incredibly well and we started to do a whole lot of things since then. We added a whole new range of products in and then um, along the way I, I modelled off a, a guy actually based in the States who sold the Brooklyn Bridge. His name was Paul Hartunian and uh, met him. He, when they were just... Oh, there you go. Well, you'd know the story. When when they were doing the renovations, they uh, yep. he got a, a whole lot of the discarded wood and uh, did a press release and, and sold lots of pieces of the Brooklyn Bridge. And I modelled that same idea, that same marketing idea here in Melbourne when they were renovating one of Australia's most well-known sporting ground or, or Australia's well most, uh, most well-known sporting ground. And I took that same concept, applied it here, and uh, that was you know, my, my really big first step that got me quite a lot of media exposure and really got my name out there. And then since then, I really just recognized that my skill is in marketing, no matter what business it is. I'm really passionate about business and finding great products and services and then taking that to market. So in Australia, they had some changes in financial law as to what information you could give without a license and my business partner at the time headed in a different direction so our stock market business was coming to the end but I'd built up a bit of a team who was helping me market our businesses online and that's when uh, we thought okay well maybe we'll set up some new businesses that can help small and medium-sized businesses get found online and at the time that was through search engine optimization uh, SEO it was 
probably one of the, the best forms of marketing available, bar none. I, I mean, we used to always say you get the best return on your investment for your marketing dollar to invest it into uh, SEO. Uh, and right. that was kind of the start of it, and it's evolved from then, and we started to set up Melbourne Video Production, and we've kind of gone from strength to strength and really evolved as the market's evolved. As you said, a lot has changed in the online landscape, and, and what's working and what's not uh, is right now is very different from what people were doing even just you know a couple of years ago. Exactly, exactly. Well, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide polls, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners, particularly when it comes to the idea of search engine marketing, search engine optimization, video marketing, tell me they pretty much have everything they need to succeed except for time and money. Now, do you see this as, as an issue for your clients and customers? Yeah, the time and money. You really do need one or the other. Uh, you've either got uh, lots of cash and you're, you're time poor because you might be running a business or things are going really great, um, and then you invest that money into other team members and methods and ways to effectively buy back more time for you because that's what you're short on. Uh, on the flip side, you might have more time or all the time in the world, uh, but you don't have any money. You, you really do, to start a business or grow a business, you're going to need one or the other. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, startup entrepreneurs, the great thing about the web is it's almost like a, a it's leveled the playing field from where you would used to have a huge barrier to entry to, tr to try and compete with some of these big companies with their big online budgets or these, these big budgets that they'd have for marketing. It's uh, the web and a lot of the cheap tools that are available and the ability that's just been opened up to us to market to a global economy has meant that it's a lot easier for someone to get started and you don't need a huge amount of capital to build up a successful business. You can really bootstrap it and just get the ball rolling and there are some great free tools out there to get you to a certain level and then at least get some cash flow coming through and then you can sort of start to level up from there. But the, the real thing is you need to find one or the other. You need to have some some cash that you can invest into getting something up and running and, and perhaps you get someone else to help mm -hmm. set it up for you, assuming you can direct them. Or if you don't have that, you're going to need a bit of time to get in there and set it up yourself. Right, right, absolutely. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to put out a question to you and get your thoughts on this. Sometimes I will get up and I'll be doing a speaking engagement or I'll be on a webinar and I'll tell people that the very last thing they could possibly want in their business is traffic to their website. Now, I don't know about you and feel free to disagree, but every time I hear the phrase traffic to your website, I think of a traffic jam. And what I'm really looking for are visitors to my web pages who are pre-qualified, prepped and pumped, ready to take action. So when I hear phrases like push button traffic to your website or penny visitors or something along that, those lines, I cringe because when I'm told it costs just $47 to push a button like that, it actually leads me to kind of tune out because I'm thinking this really does sound a little too good to be true and or am I really getting targeted visitors or am I spending a lot of money to get my numbers up if those numbers don't mean anything? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think you hit on a few good points there. I think a lot of people are looking for an easy button that they can press. They're looking for a holy grail that they'll come across and once they learn this one secret, it will you know, change everything when it comes to their business. Maybe it'll send a, a boatload of traffic through to their site with very little work. But the fact of the matter is building up a business takes time. It takes hard work. I mean, the rewards are definitely there and worth it, but there aren't really any ways to cut corners. At any one point in time, uh, oftentimes there are better opportunities than others. Uh, for example, you know, if a market is uh, rising and you take advantage of this rising market and you get into a market that's got a lot of attention, you can benefit because um, you know, the whole market is getting lifted up and you kind of get lifted up with it. But these quick wins where, where you, you're going after something that you just press a button and expect something magical to happen, they don't exist. I, I mean, I told you the story that I had of uh, when I left school, I, I went to go work, learn how to trade the stock market from one of these weekend courses. And really that's what it was that they were selling. Uh, they were selling this idea that, I could buy the answer and learn it in a very short space in time, which isn't actually the case. And especially for SEO these days, uh, SEO has become increasingly more difficult, more time consuming, and obviously uh, more costly to effectively implement. Just different strategies that people were using to cut corners now are coming back and, and biting them on the bum. I think really what you want to be doing is with SEO, you're looking to display authority and not, not in a way that you're uh, faking it. You, you really want to take the time to build up your authority and then you can deliver that authority in various ways online for Google to recognize that and then consequently they'll reward you with higher rankings and more, tra uh, more traffic through to your site. But that takes time. You need to build up a body of work you need to have people who actually like the material that you're putting out there and comment on it and consume it and share it. That, that in the eyes of Google, shows that you're an authority. And those things are very hard to uh, manufacture or to fake it. And that's where people were getting you know, um, led astray with these push-button traffic to your website systems that you know they'll sell for 50 bucks. Those sorts of things, they're kind of preying on... Uh, people who, who are looking for that quick win, that quick fix, that person who probably would buy a lottery ticket, you know, in the hope or the chance that it just might work. It's, it's like that's effectively what someone's doing when they're buying a course like that. They're, they're buying right. the hope that it'll work and that, that makes them feel good. At least then it gives them a chance to dream of what might happen. But it's not really reality. Those quick tactics don't last. And the best thing that you can do is start to uh, follow some best practice rules and build up your authority and positioning and build something that lasts. Um, a lot of those tactics, sometimes there are these little pockets where one of these tactics might work and they might send you a little bit of traffic. But, you know, Google's next algorithm update could very easily wipe that out, penalise you and push you even further down. So you're often better to take the time to build a really solid foundation and then that obviously builds a business that lasts. Right. You're absolutely right about that. And thank you for 
laying that down for us because I think people miss that all the time. And I can go on any number of websites, so I can just open up my email and I get all these promises of push-button traffic or just sign up for the system and get instant results. And you and I both know it doesn't work that way. Another thing I want to bring out in what you just shared with us is the importance of getting people to actually engage your content, to be interested in what you have to say, and to share it with their friends, which typically you hear called content marketing. So before we go any further here, if you could just take a moment here and let's make sure we properly define our terms. Uh, what are the differences between content marketing, search engine optimization, and search engine marketing? And how do these things kind of tie together? Three different things, but they all kind of work together. If you could lay that out for our audience, I think it would help create a nice understanding of what we're going to do today. Yeah, well, maybe I'll start with uh, search engine optimization. If you break the word down, search engine optimization. So what that means is you're looking to optimize your results uh, of your website. You're looking to increase the visibility of your website within the search engines and continue to optimize and improve that over time. So you're looking to make sure that one, it's coming up for relevant phrases and appearing within Google's uh, results pages when people are typing in keywords relevant to your business. And then you also, as part of that, you want to increase the chance that someone is going to click through your listing as well. So uh, making sure that those titles and, and descriptions are attractive enough that someone is going to want to click. So search engine optimization over time has become a, a bit more wide reaching now, but when you break it down, really that's what it is. It's, it's about optimizing the results that, uh, uh, of your website appearing in the search engine. Now content marketing, really has turned into a subset of search engine optimization. Uh, content marketing is about creating good quality content that typically answers a question that your prospect or client might have uh, and then you're syndicating that out, you're sharing it across the web. Now by doing that, that piece of content, uh, effectively it pre-sells you as the expert because you're helping to answer some of the problems that your clients or prospects might have. They'll read that particular bit of content. It might be uh, an article that's placed on someone's website. It could be a video. It could be a podcast, just like we're doing now. It's putting out that quality content that someone might consume. And then if you imagine it, almost like you're sprinkling all of these breadcrumbs out across the web, and people are picking up this breadcrumb and eating the breadcrumb and going, oh, I like the taste of that. I want to have more. And then at the end of that piece of content, you obviously have some sort of call to action that leads the person back to your main website where you can try and get them into your funnel or give them some more content to help further pre-sell them and then hopefully get them to raise their hand and say, look, I'm interested in your products and services. So these days now you're seeing a lot of uh, search engine optimization companies really making content marketing a core of what it is that they're doing because uh, content through good content marketing, uh, SEO actually happens naturally. Really, that's what we ultimately want. We people share bits of great content across the web and with their friends. They comment within social media if it's good quality uh, content. So, by doing good quality uh, content marketing, you're you're effectively uh, enabling search engine optimization to happen naturally. Now, how that compares with search engine marketing. Search engine marketing can mean 
sort of typically one of two things. Sometimes it's, it's a bit more of a broader term. Some people when they talk about search engine marketing are really specifically talking about paid advertising and you know like Google AdWords or Facebook. They might see that but um, some other people also consider search engine marketing. It's really just any form of search engine marketing. So that would include uh, SEO and it would include paid search as well. So if you imagine uh, at the top level, you, you'd say an actual component of um, all of them would be content marketing. Then the next level down would be search engine optimization, which content marketing is a subset of, and then search, it's a search, search engine optimization, and then search engine marketing effectively is all marketing that happens on the search engine. Hopefully that made sense for you. Right, right. I think that made I think that made a lot of sense because we see these terms thrown around so interchangeably, but the fact is that they're not interchangeable, they're interlocking. So I really appreciate you clearing that up for us. Now, I've taken some time and studied your business model, and I see you work with clients on search engine optimization, search engine marketing, as well as video marketing, infographics, and press releases. So how are all of these things interrelated? Yeah, well, uh, for marketing, oftentimes you'll have multiple different strategies and techniques, tactics uh, that you can apply. So it's almost like a marketing toolkit. And some of the things that you mentioned are, you know, video marketing, infographics, press releases. They're all in your toolkit of strategies that you can apply to market yourself online. So the first step always in any marketing campaign is getting clear on who the target market is and then you start to think about, well, where are they on the web? What is it that they're looking for? What web properties are they currently landing on? Once you get clear on that, that helps you identify which of these tactics and strategies you can use to really market to them. And it's important to have multiple modes. You don't want to just focus on one single source. Like let's say some people were just really focusing on search engine optimization for Google. And a lot of people built up businesses where they relied solely on the supply of leads through their website from Google. Now, they were, they, they were doing that as a, a particular method, but then as Google updated their algorithms and some of what they were doing became ineffective, their, their leads effectively dried up overnight. And sure. this really reinforced the importance of making sure that you hit multiple modes. So by using things like video marketing, you're now marketing on YouTube. So regardless of what would happen, uh, let's say just to Google specifically, you'd still be driving traffic from YouTube. Then there's also infographics, which you can share through to different slide sharing sites and PDF sharing sites. And then there are press releases, which they can be shared through uh, different uh, press release syndication services as well. So what you're effectively doing is you're creating multiple modes and multiple ways for people to discover you that aren't making you single source dependent. Now the way that we do this, uh, we've found that the most difficult thing for a business owner oftentimes is to just find some time to sit down and create content. Like a business owner is busy delivering their product or service, now the last thing that they've got time to do is make a video or get an infographic or press release. I mean, they're all focused on making sure that they deliver that best product or service through to their clients. So 
the way that we get them to integrate is uh, we have learnt as well that typically speaking, the further that content creation gets from the business, oftentimes uh, it loses the, the voice of the business. So what we try and do with our clients is create, get them to create some sort of rich piece of content, which it might be running a little workshop or recording a little series of videos. And then what we do is we take that piece of content and then we chop it up into bits and then we syndicate it out over the web through a variety of different methods. So someone might run a workshop, then we cut up that workshop into lots of little pieces and then load those videos to YouTube. We then can extract the audio from the video and then that can get uploaded to iTunes. We can then take the video or the audio, pass it to a writer, they can then transcribe it and then the, that transcription can uh, get matched up with a video that then gets matched on your website. We can then take the transcriptions and turn those into high quality articles and then syndicate those out as guest posts and on other people's websites. And then once we're doing this, we can use press releases to announce this new bit of content that's getting released. So as you can see, we kind of, through creating one piece of content, we can repurpose it uh, many different ways uh, and not in a way that we're just duplicating. We're, we're putting it in different formats and syndicating it out to different platforms, it's a, it really ties in together. I mean, that's the core of the strategy and the way that uh, we see online marketing working at the moment. It's about creating good quality content uh, and then having all of these methods tie together, which helps to uh, demonstrate that you're an authority and puts lots of content out there and allows SEO to happen naturally. Right, right. And a lot of these things that we were talking about here, such as press releases and infographics, these are not exactly new. That's the thing we need to point out. You know that, I know that, in fact, a lot of our listeners know that, but these are not exactly new strategies. What is newer is considering these as part of a search engine marketing or search engine optimization strategy. That's really answered the lexicon over the past two years. Now, as far as what's going on with Google and other search engines these days, what else do you see changing and what do we need to be looking out for in the days ahead? You mentioned earlier that if you do the wrong things, you can end up getting penalized or slapped for it. What are some things we really need to be aware of in terms of upcoming trends or what you see going on in the days ahead so we make sure we do things the right way? Yeah, well, there's a few things. I mean, the first one that you need to keep in mind is making sure that you avoid cutting corners. It always seems easy at the time to cut a corner, but now on the web especially, those cutting of corners will come back to bite you. And when you create a piece of content or a low quality piece of content that you put out there with your name attached to it, that, that oftentimes is very difficult to get taken down and it can get shared around and things like that. So you always want to be putting out your best quality content uh, because your name will be associated to that and that's your reputation on the line. So always put out great quality content that solves problems. That's the other big thing. Google's recently uh, changed, had a fundamental change in the way that their algorithm worked. They had an update that they called Hummingbird and uh, although it hasn't significantly impacted the results yet, uh, what they've done, they've effectively rewritten the core part of the way that Google algorithm uh, works and it will be something that will continue to evolve 
and change over time. The, the real key thing or the takeaway about that specific update is to think about where Google is going and, and what it is that they're trying to achieve. Google wants to serve the best and most relevant results to someone when they go to Google, oftentimes asking a question. That's what Google's found over time. People are typing in questions into Google and they're looking for specific answers. Now, sometimes some terms or, or people used to be very keyword focused, uh, yet uh, Google's recognized that, I'll give you an example, if someone searched um, what's the best outdoor decking, uh, a synonymous term, a term that could be interchanged with outdoor decking would be, let's say, veranda. So because they are the same term, Google would know if you typed in, you know, um, what's the best outdoor decking, uh, it would also be relevant for you uh, if they displayed something about verandas. Now that means that it doesn't necessarily have the exact match keyword in there, but Google knows that that's still important to you. So there is a bit of a shift away from thinking about specific keywords as such and thinking more about questions. And that's why I talk about this idea of creating content that solves problems or answers your potential clients and prospects questions. So that's one big trend to keep in mind. And another really big trend to keep in mind is uh, the social web. We know social is really important. We've seen the rise of Facebook and uh, Twitter and some of these other platforms as well. Google recognized that this is a huge trend because What's more relevant to you as a searcher? If you were on the web and you were thinking about doing a trip to Europe and you, you were typing in for you know, good accommodation in London or something like that, and what's more relevant to you? A result that the search engine serves up, which is just calculated by some robot, or your best friend that happened to travel to Europe last year and here are the recommendations that he's made. Clearly, the latter is going to be more important. You're going to trust your friend's word or suggestion more than you would trust a random robot. So with that in mind, Google's recognized the importance of the web, and they're really pushing incredibly hard on Google+. They, they have tied the success of a lot of what they want to do on the web to Google+, so much so that a lot of the bonuses uh, that are given to Google employees are... Uh, are tied to the success or failure of Google Plus because they know right. how important it is. So this this data that they're trying to get, that's they want to ultimately feed that into the search engine. When you're plus oneing things and when you're sharing things amongst your friends in the social web, they'll use that data, which is already starting to have an influence in the rankings. Uh, Google, they, they Matt Cutts is a spokesperson for. Uh, Google search team has come out and said, he goes, uh, basically there is no um, direct uh, like correlation or influencing factor of a Google plus one to rankings. Now, the wiggle word for him is there is no direct relationship because in all of the data, there's a big search engine community called uh, Moz that's run a lot of correlation data and found uh -huh. that it is what... Uh, Google Plus Ones have one of the highest correlations to websites that are ranking high within Google. So it might not be direct at the moment, but it, it is definitely a factor. And I think that factor will only continue, especially with the trend that, that Google's sort of setting there. So 
I suppose in answer to your question, because I went off on a little bit of a side tangent there, I think no the real key key thing here is making sure that you create good quality content that solves problems, helps to educate and pre-sell your clients and prospects about what it is that you sell, and then syndicating that content out through multiple modes. So don't just focus on building links or getting your content out with one specific method. Try to do it uh, in as many different ways as possible. That's, that's really probably the best way forward and to make sure that you stay safe when it comes to Google. Okay. So let's put you on the hot seat, as it were. Uh, is it all right if we do that for a minute? Yeah, sure. All right. So with all these penguins and pandas and hummingbirds and assorted wildlife Google is releasing, we see too many cases, as you've mentioned, where years of SEO goes right down the drain. Now, let's say that uh, now let's say that uh, somebody came to you and said that this has happened to them. They've gotten eaten by an alligator or a panda smothered them or something like that. Uh, where would you start in terms of fixing that for them? Or what would we need to do to start fixing the problem if all of a sudden all of our work for five years got flushed down the drain and we were delisted and invisible to the world? Yeah, the first thing that you do is you need to jump into your Google Analytics and have a look at when the traffic died off. Uh, Google does okay. make these updates. Some of the updates have been rolled into their algorithm, um, so they actually uh, can happen gradually. But sometimes if, if your website's effectively fallen off a cliff, so you might be looking at the traffic and you're looking at Google Analytics and then it just it almost looks like it, it just drops overnight. If, if you look inside your Google Analytics, you can identify uh, what date that, that is and what date that occurred. Then from there, you can actually head over to uh, Moz. I mean, if you Google Moz uh, search engine algorithm history, you'll actually find a timeline of different updates that, that Google's made. And you can basically line up and try and identify if you've been hit with a specific update because that'll provide some insight into what may have caused the, the penalty. Um, you can also jump in and have a look inside your Google Webmaster Tools uh, to find out whether or not you've been given a notice. Uh, that's the way that Google communicates with you. You can sign up for it, it's free, but that's the way that Google, if they've got a message or they're not happy with something that you're doing, they will send it through there. And if you've got a, a notice in there, oftentimes they can give you insight into what the problem is. So step one is trying to see if you can identify what has actually caused the problem. If, if you okay. know what's caused the, the problem, then you can then obviously take steps to bring it into line. If, it's, uh, if you get a notice inside Webmaster Tools, for example, with some sort of unnatural linking notification or something like that, um, you may have to go through a process of cleaning up your links and then submitting a reconsideration request through to Google. Now, the reconsideration request is uh, perhaps the last uh, last resort. If you can avoid having to do a reconsideration request, uh, it's best to. Now, you only really need to do a reconsideration request if you get a notice inside your webmaster tools. Uh, so, you need to make the determination if you're going to submit it. But if, if you start, if it is an unnatural links warning, which is what a lot of people actually got hit with, that's 
specifically what uh, penguin targets, um, what you need to do is you might have to start doing some link removal. Uh, now, the thing to keep in mind, some people, they'll sit there and they'll go through all this effort to remove a lot of these bad links and then submit a reconsideration request to Google. And then what they're expecting once, it, let's say, Google lifts this particular penalty on your website, uh, what they're expecting is to then magically have their website appear back to what it was. But effectively, what you were doing prior to that was you were building these links that might have manipulated the search engine rankings and were, were giving you artificial rankings that Google feels that you didn't really deserve. So just having a removal of a penalty doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to go back to the way it was because you've just gone and removed a whole lot of these links. Now what you effectively need to do is replace those links with new good quality links and then that can help you come back into place. So that's the first one. And then the other uh, type of update is the Panda one, which has a lot to do with what's happening on your actual website. So the way the usability is and how people interact with your website. If you've got a website that's um, got a lot of duplicate content or maybe you've got uh, thin content, so you're not really adding much value to the end user or maybe you're trying to stuff keywords in, Google has a big list of things that they advise against and you can find out about those by having a look at um, the Google Webmaster Guidelines and effectively what you want to do, it's like a checklist that you go through your website with and you go, um, you know, is my website violating any of these different things that Google has outlined? So once okay. you do that, you try and bring it back into line and then next time that Google comes back to your website, it will reevaluate your website and potentially can kick it back into gear. Now, if you, you can go through that process if you like uh, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of information out there on the web and we have a lot of free information over at melbourneseoservices.com or we've also got a service actually at Melbourne SEO Services where we help people with the Penguin Panda recovery. So if you go to Melbourne SEO Services, have a look underneath the services tab and you'll notice under there there's a um, recovery audit in there. Um, whether or not you end up going for the service or not, there's still right down the bottom of the page, there's a couple of videos that you'll find of particular interest because, I mean, we run a very uh, open, transparent business. We explain what it is that we do. So if you are stuck, you can actually watch some of those videos and it might help you get back on the road. But the real takeaway, and I think what a lot of people actually learned after all of these updates from Google is the importance of making sure that you, you build a really defensible position. Don't build a business that is like a one-legged table that's got one source of leads that's making you survive. You, you really need to make sure that you've got a good, solid business with multiple legs, multiple channels feeding traffic through to your website and multiple ways that you're generating business because that makes you safe. You're not in a situation where um, someone outside of your control can come and you know, turn off the light switch and, and it's, it's the end of your business. I think that was a big lesson as well. We had a situation where um, we'd built up a significant YouTube channel. I mean, we're well over 800,000 views on our YouTube channel and Google, for whatever reason, has a three-strike warning on your YouTube channel and 
for some reason they hadn't followed that three strike warning for um, uh, for us, and they actually suspended our YouTube channel. Now at that point we were really heavily focused on YouTube as a, a marketing method for us. I mean that was a real core driver, and it kind of, of course I, I was probably one of the the few people who actually managed to get their website, uh, their their YouTube channel reinstated. We wrote a press release. And we joined forces with another really well-known uh, internet marketer who had also had his YouTube channel uh, suspended. Uh, not not justified either. I mean, we didn't get any uh, proper notification. We didn't get our three warnings. None of this. It was just on one day and turned off the next. And we we got quite a lot of media attention and got people to uh, write on our blog and then shared that. Now Google never came back to us and said, "Oh yes, uh, we've done the wrong thing here." and uh, we'll recover your website, I mean your YouTube channel. It just turned back on one day after all of this attention. But it just really reinforced to me is in this situation, Google is the judge, jury, and executioner. And there's no Google hotline that you can pick up. They've actually, actually, they've got some Google Hangouts just recently that they've set up. But there's no real way. If you get dinged for doing one of these things, it's actually very difficult to get on Google's radar to actually recover. So oftentimes the best course of action is to stay out of hot water and make sure that you build a really defensible position that isn't built up on someone else's platform. And that goes with anything. You don't want to build a business that's just solely based on Facebook. You don't want to build a business that's uh, you know, solely built on AdWords. What you want to do is you use all of these different channels to drive traffic back through to your website and then once they're at your website you want to get them into your funnel, get their email address in a way that you can continue to market to them and build up a relationship with them. So regardless of what ends up happening with any of these different traffic sources, you, you continue to market to those people. You've still got that relationship and that's how you build a solid sound business that'll stand the test of time that won't get you know, all shook up as some of these different tactics and strategies come and go. One thing I want to draw out for our listeners here is what David said about make sure that you use multiple different channels because if you put all your eggs in one basket or go all in on one bet and one day it gets taken away and nobody tells you why, then you pretty much lose everything. You heard David say, even David who is doing pretty much all the right things as far as he knew, got his YouTube channel shut down one day. And there was no recourse. There was nobody he could call and say, hey, I was wondering if you guys made a mistake. And there wasn't even anybody he could go to to say, wait a minute, where were my three warnings? Uh, why didn't you, like, tell me or warn me like you said you were going to do? You don't have any recourse. It's completely unfair, but it's also the way the world works. So you need to have a variety of different channels so if one goes down, you still have six working for you. So I really want to point that, point that out. Now, speaking of different channels, uh, what role does paid advertising play in this, like Google AdWords or Facebook ads, ad choices, and other networks? How do they help us with search engine optimization and search engine marketing? I think uh, specifically a common question that people ask is if I've got an AdWords account, will that increase my rankings? for my organic listings, so my non-paid search. Now, Google's come out numerous times and uh, said that there is no 
relationship between uh, AdWords and you, the fact that you might be paying, and will that affect your organic rankings? Now, there are plenty of people out there who would swear black and blue that that's not the case. Um, I've not seen any definitive info to say that paying on AdWords will increase your Google organic traffic. That said, though, I'm, I'm also probably not one to, to say that I, I wouldn't necessarily believe it either. So um, I think from, from that perspective, as a, as a general rule, though, I, I don't think that it will improve your SEO, but uh, as we were talking about, it's, it's good marketing practice. Uh, the holy grail of business really is to understand the lifetime value of your client, how much they're actually worth to you, and then understand that you can then have a marketing budget. Let's say a client brings you in you know, $500 over the next few months. Um, you now can go, well, I'm happy to spend up to $350 to try and acquire that lead. So, or, or whatever that figure ends up being. The, the takeaway being that understanding how much a client is worth to you and over the lifetime is better, not even just two or three months. And then once you understand what they're worth to you, that gives you the opportunity to go, I have a marketing budget to try and acquire that lead. When you're in to that space, you can then look at paid options as, as a way to build your business. And oftentimes paid traffic gives you it's much more controllable. Organic traffic takes time and, you know, all of these different other free, you know, quote unquote free channels, even though a lot of the free channels really require time. Like I said, it's one or the other, it's time or it's money. Uh, but paid oftentimes is a lot more scalable very quickly and you can turn it off and on and regulate the flow of traffic that comes through. So it's really a great testing ground. It's a way to quickly generate traffic through to your website to find out what's working and then you can try and roll that out in some of these other different methods. So from a, a, a testing point of view, I think paid is absolutely fantastic and once you know your numbers, after you kind of get past that level, paid is a great asset as well because it's just another way to acquire a lead uh, at a certain cost. That's, that's really what you want to do in business. You test all of these different methods some methods are going to cost more or, or less and uh, even though organic traffic people say it's, it's free, it still takes time to do. So there is a cost component there for actually getting it done. So all forms of traffic will have some form of cost attached to them and what you ultimately want to do is drive multiple different forms of traffic through to your site, track which of those traffic methods actually convert through to a buyer so you can then identify which traffic sources are, are providing you a, a lead at the lowest possible rate or at least a rate that makes business viable sense. So I think it all fits together and I mean in hindsight I probably wouldn't have called our company Melbourne SEO Services. It was just when we were starting up that was in the heyday of SEO and we were right in the thick of it and that's really the core strategy that we're doing. But the game is changing now and has changed and will continue to change. Uh, really what you want to do is you'll, you'll test lots of different ways to, to find that, 
best and most cost-effective way to drive those leads. And, and don't be hung up on any one specific traffic source. I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of testing with offline again now. It feels like it's come around full circle again. Yeah. And because everybody's focusing on online, that creates a huge opportunity to market to businesses offline because there's not as much noise appearing in their mailbox. Uh, so so you, that multiple method or those multiple modes are the way to go. Yeah, well, you know what they say about, if we're talking about offline marketing, you know what they say about your inbox for your mail. That's like the one inbox that no web server or spam monitoring service or IP or Gmail or anybody can ever possibly mess with as far as deliverability. And as I tell people all the time that I know a lot of people who are copywriters and I know a lot of people who own copywriting companies. If anybody were ever come to me and say, hey, do you know three good copywriters? There are two names I'm going to give you every time. And the reason why I give those two names is because uh, those two copywriters send me newsletters every month in the mail. Yeah, that's great. That's, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a big very important. as well. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's to very add important. To, that, to, to um, add to that, that's, I mean, a core fundamental belief of ours is uh, for our clients as well and us, you need to be the best example of what it is that you're teaching and selling. So if you're an offline guy and selling the idea of, you know, offline copywriting stuff, you've got to be doing it yourself. If we're a, an online marketing company and we are the best example of what it is that we sell. That's, again, another way to demonstrate authority, which helps SEO happen naturally. Yes, yes. Now, I know our listeners have been taking a lot of notes on this, and the overriding theme, or at least one of the themes that I see come up over and over again, is diversify your strategy and understand that the way we do things in business evolves. And as far as calling your company Melbourne SEO Services, I think that's a great name, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because in the conversation that we have about getting found on Google and being number one in searches, SEO is still the term that is most commonly used. And I tell people all the time from a website conversions perspective, like let's say that I was trying to sell this thing called a widget, but then I found out what the market was really looking for was a moribund frankfurter. I'm going to take my widget and I'm going to go to that market and I'm going to say, this is my moribund Frankfurter version 3.0 and here are all the features and that's how I'm going to sell my widget. So you do so many things. You do search engine optimization, do search engine marketing, uh, video marketing, infographics, press releases, and it's all a function of SEO. So I want our listeners to be aware of that as well. Now, one thing I was wondering if you could answer for me personally here is I've been saying for a long time that most of the work to increase website conversion rates happens before the visitor even reaches your web page. So what can we do with our content marketing and how that ties to search engine optimization and search engine marketing to get our visitors pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped, which is what I like to call the three Ps of website conversions, before they click here to learn more. Remember at the beginning of this interview, I said the last thing anybody ever wants is traffic to your website. What you want is visitors to your web page. So how do we make sure that we invest in our search engine marketing smartly so we get the right kinds of visitors, so we get more conversions and we get more profits? Um, comes back to the, that 101 of marketing, which is first getting super clear on uh, your target market. You want to clearly identify your perfect client. 
and then start to design them and almost create an avatar where you explain this person down to a T. You might give them a name. You might talk about how much they generate. I mean, for us, um, our, our avatar, Gary, he's a middle-aged sort of 38-year-old. He's got two kids. He owns his own business. He's got um, a good-sized team around him. He's, he's got 12 people on his team. Uh, he's still very much at the helm of his business. The business is turning over well over a couple of million dollars. Uh, and, and I articulate him down. I mean, he's got a, a, a nice car. He takes a yearly holiday. I, I know my target market very well, and I've given him a name and really created this uh, avatar for him. So uh, now what that enables me to do when we create our marketing, I can think about, well, what are some of the problems and questions that uh, he has uh, about our industry and marketing online and where is he getting stuck and how is he currently driving leads and, and I can get into his head and then that enables me to go, well, what content could I create that would help solve some of his problems? And I also think about where is he at just prior to making the decision of working with us? At what point? What questions uh, is he asking before he goes, yep, I need to um, join up with Melbourne SEO services or I need to get some videos done from Melbourne Video Production and we create content just around that space. That's why you'll find a lot of uh, our material is educa educational based material on how to do what it is that our service is because oftentimes, sometimes someone might be thinking about doing it themselves and then that's just because they don't have a full understanding of what needs to be done. So by us educating people on how it's done, uh, we're then able to get them to, to recognise and see the value that we actually provide. So getting clear on that target market and then creating the quality content uh, of the information that they're looking for just prior to making a purchasing decision is the best place to start. And then you want to put your best foot forward by putting out great quality content uh, and content that leads people to the next step. So at every piece of content, at the end of that piece of content, there always needs to be a call to action. And typically that call to action is to get them back to the website. Once they get to the website, the next call to action is to get them into our marketing funnel so I can help to educate them and help teach them about who we are. And then over time, that can enable us to uh, really pre-qualify them, enable them to get a feel for who we are, answer a lot of their own questions, build up their trust with us, and then the point at which they're ready to make a purchase and they pick up the phone and call us, usually all of that selling's already done. We don't have to worry about trying to compete on price or uh, explain why we're better than the competition because they've already learnt that and we've done that through our marketing. That's the best form of marketing and increasing the conversion rates on your website is all about um, almost making the sales process redundant and when they pick up the phone, it's more about, hey, I'm ready to go because I can see that you're the best example of what it is that you're selling and I want you to do what you do for you and what you do for your other clients I want you to do that for our business. It's all about quality and it's all about engagement. 
I see these two themes come up over and over again in what you share with us. There is no gaming Google. There is no tricking Google, and there is no quote-unquote reasoning with Google. You just have to do the right thing, and the more you do the right thing, the more you're going to have sustainable results over time. I've been in business myself. I've been in the Internet marketing world for eight years, and I've seen so many flashes in the pan that invested in all these quote-unquote Google tricks. Well, they're the ones that I don't see around anymore. But those who have played it straight, who have done the right thing, who have taken a long-range view, who have focused on quality and building a foundation, they're the ones that continue to grow and the ones that no matter how many bricks get lobbed at them, no matter how many different animals come out of the woodwork looking to gobble up people, they're still standing. So that's what I really want our listeners to hear. So, David, we have just about two minutes left here. And first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an incredible amount of information you've shared with us. So how can our listeners connect with you to get more information and assistance if they want to learn more about this or get involved with this more? Yeah, there's probably two best places to go. Uh, one would be our core website, which is Melbourne, M-E-L-B-O-U-R-N-E, seoservices.com. So that's melbourneseoservices.com. From there, you can find our YouTube channel, my Twitter account, We've got loads of free info on there. Um, and if you want to engage with me and have a little bit of a conversation, if you've got specific questions or anything like that, uh, I'll either uh, show you some product or service that we've got that can help solve it, or at the very least, I'll point you in the right direction. I'm just happy to help. And my Twitter handle is just David Jennings. So that's D-A-V-I-D-J-E-N-Y-N-S. Absolutely. And what I want our listeners to be aware of any episode of the Business Creators Radio Show when we have our guest expert on, if you go to our website at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, every single one of our guest experts has a profile where it shares their social media links and their website links. So if you find yourself listening to this later on and decide you want to learn more about David or connect with him, you can find him on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, LinkedIn, YouTube, pretty much all those, and there will be a link to his website, uh, MelbourneSEOServices.com. So, David Jennings, once again, thank you again for being our guest today on the Business Creators Radio Show. It was a pleasure, and thanks for the, the great questions, and uh, look forward to chatting with you soon. You bet. And for everybody else listening, this is Adam Homie, host of BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com. Be sure to check out our episodes at www.businesscreators.com radioshow.com and check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care.